0: Psalms chapter 1 and verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray now as we look into your word today, Lord, we've Uh, look at something that's very full that is your word. Lord it's so easy to just read some words and say well I've got the general idea and not really have the depths of the truth that you want us to have. So Lord I pray that you'd make that clear. And again I would ask that you would be the power, that you would be the one that brings glory to your name through this message. That Lord that you would do what this preacher cannot do. So Lord speak to hearts through your word today. I pray that there is one that is in this auditorium or listening by radio or internet that is not sure that if they died today that heaven's their home. I pray that today would be the very day they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And we would ask this in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. By way of introduction, we saw that in verse one, what a blessed of God man does not do. Then we got to verse 2, we saw what a blessed of God man does do. And it it was things that so often we don't end up doing. Then we come to verse 3, and verse 3 is the result of walking in verses 1 and 2. And so that's what that's about. Now, A tree planted by the rivers of water finds that its roots uh, which are held to the ground that holds the tree in place. Those roots go deep down into the ground. But by a river of waters, then it is forever drawing so that in its season it draws. Sometimes there are dry seasons. But that water flowing in the river, he brings that nourishment in and, and the root and the tree bears fruit, even though uh, a lot of other things may not because they're not by a river of water. So again, this tree gives life uh, to the body. So I say the roots give body to the uh, rest of the tree because it's drinking in the water. You might say the water of life. So the water is kind of like the Spirit of God. Coming up through the roots, you know a root of bitterness, Hebrews chapter 13 talks about us, you know, lest a root of, chapter 12 should say, lest a root of bitterness springing up. Well, uh, that root can bring, feed on the wrong thing. It doesn't feed on the water of God's Word and it brings bitterness. Well, the Holy Spirit, He is that which brings the water of life, not only for salvation, but then also for the edification, for the training of the Christian and in His life. And so, when we do that, we allow that to happen, in its season, it bears fruit, and it prospers. Now, the first thing I want to do is see some symbolism that's in this uh, very verse. For example, the word water is here. And I want to look at some scriptures that deal with water uh, uh, in the Word of God. At least uh, three different groups of uh, scriptures that I want to consider. First of all, in John chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, we have Nicodemus speaking. He's talking to Jesus. And Jesus answers him. Nicodemus has come to him and says, Lord, all these miracles, these things you do, could no man do unless he was sin of God. And so he's kind of complimenting Jesus. And and Jesus is not looking for compliments. He's looking for somebody who's going to turn to them with his whole heart. And so uh, Jesus uh, begins to talk to him after he says his things. He says in verse uh, five through seven of John chapter three, Jesus answered, verily, verily, in other words, truly, truly. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now I've heard preachers preach on this and, uh, sometimes I, you know, sometimes as a preacher you get a little bit uptight on it. But uh, they said, "Well, the water represents a mother, and the water she carries a baby, surrounds the baby. That on the birth of that baby, the waters let loose." Uh, it might be a good in theory, but it's wrong in doctrine. You see, that's not the indication that comes from that verse, and so been born of the bread, of the water, the Spirit, and the water. So, what is that about? As we look at these passages, the Spirit and the water. And so, he goes on to say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, we're made in God's image. Understand that. And you've heard me say this many times before. You're not a uh, body with a spirit and soul. You're a spirit that has a body and a soul. That's what we are. Because we're made in God's image. That's why we have a free will, by the way. If we didn't have a free will, we wouldn't be in God's image. Man wouldn't be in God's image if he doesn't have a free will. So, a man has to deny that very thing of, uh, in Genesis 1 and 2 that man was created in God's image. All right, so again, that is one of the things. So it's uh, that way. Uh, and he goes on to say in verse 7, Marvel not that I said to, uh, unto thee, ye must be born again. Here, here's Nicodemus. He has just said this to the Lord Jesus. Nicodemus is a ruler. In Israel. He's also uh, a master, he's a teacher in Israel. And so, uh, he's been told about all of this, uh, Nicodemus, and he's wondering, how can a man re-enter his mother again and be born? Well, if that was the case, then that would be, the water would stand for that. But that's not the case. Water and spirit. The water has a different understanding. Just like he's got a human spirit. That baby in the mother has a human spirit. But when you're born again, it's the Holy Spirit's work. And it goes on through the water of the word. And so in Mark chapter, uh, in verse 7, he said, Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again. And so as he goes through these next few verses, and, and Nicodemus is saying, Master. He said, Lord, how can I enter a second time to my mother? And he says, art thou a master in Israel? And you don't understand these things? You see, the best minds in the world, the most gifted men, the most well-educated men. Now understand, Nicodemus has the highest of educations. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. I mean, you had to complete the study. You know, you had to complete. It's just like becoming a surgeon. You don't just say, oh, I'm going to go online and learn something about it, and tomorrow I'll apply to be a surgeon. No, you don't do it that way. Well, that's the way it was with the Sanhedrin. You just don't become part of it. There was a lot to go through, a lot of study. And they did. So, academically, the man was brilliant. But the best minds, the best education is not equal to what the Holy Spirit does in teaching us and helping us to understand the Word of God. Now, understand, Paul learned at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, people used to say, well, he went to Harvard. You know, that was supposed to be the highest level of education. And so they'd say, oh, he went to Harvard. Oh, well, then he knows what he's talking about. Of course, some crazy things have come out of Harvard, too. But, uh, but you know, they're, they're looking at this. He studied the fit of Gamaliel. I mean, that's the top, top education that anyone could have had. What happens when he gets saved? God says, well, Paul, go out into the wilderness for three years, and I'm going to teach you actually what the word means. I'm going to teach you the word of God. Here's a guy that studied the Word of God, he knew the Old Testament, he probably had much of it memorized, and yet, God has taken him out to the wilderness for three years and helped to understand the deep truth of God's Word, that he might be an able minister for the Lord. And so in verse 38 of of that same uh, chapter, he says, uh, let me make sure i got the right uh, thing here, Okay. You know what, I just turned two pages without really realizing it, but I did. But that's good, that's good, I, I did it. But um, uh, I'm going on to the second thing. That's why I said, man, I thought, am I at the end of the message already? I just turned my notes, and all of a sudden I'm at the end of the message. Wow. And several out there already said, pray God, you know. <laughs> but uh, no. All right, now the second uh, group is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 26 and 27. Which says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. The Word of God is like clean water that flows and it cleanses. You, you can have a, you know, the, the eaves on the side of the house going around the roof there. And sometimes you can just get up there with a good spray and and spray it, and it cleans it out. Running water just keeps it cleared out, keeps it cleaned out. And that's the way the Word of God has been shown to us, because the Word of God is pure water. It's the water of God because He breathed out every bit of it. And so the water of God flowing through our lives, taken in daily, meditated upon, works as a cleansing agent that we need daily. As, that's why in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 where it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's, inspiration means God breathed every word He breathed it out to holy men that would write down every word exactly that God gives them, would not add to it, would not take away from it, would not try to change it. He would write down every word that God breathed out. When you're talking like I'm talking now, I'm breathing out. I can't talk like this and breathe in at the same time. That's why he says it's by inspiration of God. It's breathed out by the Spirit of God to each of those writers. That's why there's no error in the Word of God. Okay. So, he says, all Scripture is given by inspiration, and it's profitable for doctrine. Isn't it interesting the first thing he says is doctrine? And I've heard people say, that church is too doctrinal. We're not doctrinal; we're doctrine. Okay, I know what they mean, but what I'm saying is, is that doctrine's important to God. Very important to God. I mean, isn't it true that in the very next chapter, Second Timothy—that's chapter three, but chapter four—he says the time will come, talking about the local churches. When men would hit to themselves, teachers having itching ears. Here's the idea, itching ears. Make me feel good. Hey, entertain me. I mean, if I go to church and I don't really, am, am not really enjoying it, I'm not really entertained, it doesn't make me really feel good, then I haven't been to church. Now, when I was growing up, I used to hear, hear people say, if my toes aren't hurting when church is over, that means a preacher wasn't stepping on them. Yeah, you know, they said that. If the preacher doesn't step on your toes, don't go to that church. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Now that's the way it was back in the day. Of course we didn't have all the advancement that we have today. LGBTQ. Filth. Immorality. Yeah, we didn't have all that. Those crazy Christians and a lot of people went by the word of God. But as the, those that live with their critical thinking and all that got involved, and then all that started to change. But he says the time would come that he himself, teachers having ears. but then the next thing. They will not endure sound doctrine. I'm afraid that's what's going on in this country today in its churches across this land. They're more important, they're more concerned about having strobe lights, they're more concerned about having rock and roll than they are about having Christ glorified, honored, and His truth preached. And so we need to get back to uh, God in this country and, and we've got to remain in that whether no other church in the world is that way, we've got to stay true to God because it will be rewarded one day. Now, so it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. You ever been reading the Word of God? You said, oh man. Man. How did God know that about me? <laughs> you, know? you said in His Word, He was addressing this 2,000 years ago. Man, there's, I, I need reproved For correction, you know, you know the word correction there means to set a bone. To set a bone. In other words, to fix something that's broken. The word of God sets the bone. The word of God fixes that which is broken. The word of God sets it straight on doctrine. Not philosophy, not religion. The word of God working through His Spirit, through the water of the Word. But not only for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. How to live in obedience to God. That's what it's about. That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You want to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works that God would have you to do? Stay in the Word. Don't go a day without it. Think on it. The Word of God is our help. It's what we need. And so, you look there, he says it's for all these things. Now, why does he do that? Well, you find out in verse 27 of Ephesians chapter 5. he says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now notice verse 26 he said that he might sanctify it, set it apart for holy use. You know that's what God has for a local church, to sanctify it, to set it apart for holy use. That's why we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. It is only reasonable to worship God in that way, to worship Him by living according to His word, having our lives separate from the world, and separated unto God. By the way, the word holy has in in it the idea of separation. But, so he says uh, uh, there that uh, that he has... uh, Cleansed us by the washing of the water of the Word. And then, verse 27, again, we'll say that that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So, we are to be holy and without blemish. Now, understand what that means. That means that it is God's absolute will that as saved people that we are holy in His sight, separated from this world. In 1 Peter chapter 1, a lot of people like to uh, just say, well, Old Testament doesn't apply to us. Here's something in the New Testament that is in the Old Testament. Okay? There in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all matter of conversation. In every area of your life, that's what I did, the way you live your life, conversation. Every area of your life, be holy. Because it is written, referring to the Old Testament, implying it to the New Testament, because the New Testament didn't nullify the Old Testament. All it did is it brought into us the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And so, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. If you want to have a relationship with God and walk with God, then your life needs to be holy. There needs to be an effort on your part, through the power of God, to separate from this world and to be separated unto God. Now, Psalms 143, uh, 145, excuse me, verse 17 says, that the Lord is Righteous in all his ways, and holy in all his works. Now, I would admonish every saved person. If you're saved today, I would admonish you to get in the Word and try to understand. Ask God to open your understanding. Ask God to teach it to you. What does holy mean? What does holiness mean? Holiness is not jumping over pews and speaking in a tongue, a bunch of gibberish. Okay, that's not holiness. Holiness is your life. Now, in eternity, he wants us to present us to himself without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And the difference between being ashamed at his appearing and having confidence is as we adhere to the Word of God. I don't want to be in heaven ashamed, saved so as by fire, as 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says. I want to have fruit, fruit that abounds because we've allowed the water of God to flow up through the root of the heart by the Holy Spirit of God, bringing it into the heart, the mind, and the body that it's what it ought to be. See, we're to be holy in spirit, but we're also to be holy in mind. In body. The Bible tells us that. Now, you can disagree with God on that, but that's not a wise thing to do. But uh, if you do disagree, with, I mean, He gives you a free will to disagree with Him. You just suffer losses as a result of it. So, as I said, it's not wise to disagree with God. Now, so, in eternity, without spot or wrinkle, Because you allowed God's Word to work in you and through you. We're very blessed to have the Word of God. Now, remember, again, as we said earlier, we are created in God's image. We are created in God's image. We have a Spirit. Where does our Spirit come from? God. Our Spirit comes from God. When I die, my spirit goes back to God. Check it out in the Word of God. Because God is a Spirit, we go back to Him because He made our spirit. So, after we're saved, we're to feed on the Word of God, that it might lead us in the direction we ought to go. So it'll always be there to rebuke us, to reprove us, to correct us when we begin to go in a wrong direction. You remember in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he should not depart from it. Now men try to teach. Well, if you teach them right and you raise them right, they'll never go wrong. Or if they go wrong, they'll come right back. Some will say they'll come back before they die. It's an interesting theory, but it's not the Word of God. See, the fact that you can't depart from it is the fact that they put the Word of God in it, you put the Word of God in the child, you put the Word of God in the child, you put the Word of God in the child, and then they rebel. I mean, look at David. How many scriptures did he write? You say, yeah, but he sinned. What about Solomon? How many scriptures did he write? Yeah, but he sinned. Look, every person outside of Jesus Christ has sinned. Moses sinned. I mean, he murdered the guy. Paul was responsible for murder and the, really the beating of Christians, jailing them, some of them being put to death. So, when you think about that, what does it take? You put the word of God in them, and the good thing about that, it'll always be a prick on their heart. Have you ever seen, here, here, here's two people. One was raised in Europe. They drank either a glass of wine or some beer for every meal growing up. From the time they were 10 years old, they were drinking. it Just a part of the meal. Here's a guy that was raised in a Christian home. That was never part of their life. They stood by the Word of God. These two guys grow up and they meet each other. They start running around together. They go drinking. The first time they go, the guy's just kind of nervous about it, but he goes along with it, the Christian. The other guy doesn't think anything about it. The Christian is laughing. They had a good old time. And he comes home. He puts his hand on the doorknob, and his attitude changes. Crazy parents. Crazy people. And then they'll hear some idiot that calls himself a theologian say, oh, it's all right to drink. Oh, it's okay to social drink. How many social drinkers became alcoholics and ended up busting up a family? How many social drinkers were driving a car that killed somebody? Don't try to justify sin. Never try to justify sin. Sin is not to be justified. Train them up in a the way they should go when they're old. They will not depart from it. That is God's will. Always do God's will, God's way. But just like we said, for correction, the Word of God is for correction. Don't blame others. Don't blame situations. Don't try to justify why we messed up. Get corrected by the Word of God and go in the right direction. Did David mess up big time? But you know what? He wrote Psalms after the sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Bathsheba's husband. He was still used of God after his life was cleansed. He got things right to write more scriptures. God used him. All oh, the power of God. Now, there's a third set of passages I was going to go into, but let me just say this briefly, because I want to go to First Peter chapter uh, two, uh, chapter one, in verse twenty-three and twenty-five, and just share something to you about this water, this water of the Word and the spirit using it. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, he says, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. The word of God is the seed. It is the water the water of the Word that we see. And that water shows us that we're sinners and we need a Savior. And when that water is introduced into our spirit, to our soul, we either accept it or we reject it. But understand, how does that water come by the word, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. Why? Because men say, well, if you'll just do this, do that, you'll be all right, you'll go to heaven. <laughs> you know, John chapter 1, verses uh, uh, 12 and uh, 13, verse 12, uh, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Great verse. But you know the next verse says, just something a little bit, you're saved, not by birth, not by the will of man, but by God. You say, I'm not, you're not born a Christian, by the way. No one ever was. You might have been born to a Christian home, but you're not born a Christian. And man's will, man's way, man can say, "Man, I'm going to do the best I can. If I do the best I can, really work at it, God will take." No, you're not going to do it that way. He says, "Not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Man has philosophies; it won't do it. But of God, God gives the only way of salvation. That's why the Word." was made flesh and dwelt among us. So again, we're born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible. And then verse 25 says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. It will always be the only way to be saved in this word. When we get to heaven, we'll study it throughout all eternity. And it will always be pure. It will always be holy. And it will be preserved forever. And it will never pass away. And so the word of the Lord endureth forever. It is totally preserved. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Why? Because that's your only way to heaven. The water of the word. Acts 3.19 says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. just kind of want to draw this in now. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, He shed His blood. Cleansed by the blood. But what else do we find about that day on the cross? They went by the first and the second thief, and they broke their legs, and that would kill them from that point. Got to Jesus, he's already dead. The idea is, well, just make sure he's dead. They put the spear in his side, and what came forth? Blood and water because for you to be saved, it took the blood of Jesus Christ to pay our penalty, because the life is in the blood. But the water of the Word in us. Why do we need that Word? Why do we need that water? So that you're not ashamed at His appearing. I won't be ashamed, I'd just be glad to be there you'll be ashamed. Let me ask you something. Do you have anything that you wish nobody else, in this? you hope that nobody else in this auditorium ever finds out? Are there things that are hid in your closet? The closet of your heart? That you want nobody to know about? It's, it's in the canvas of our memory there, but no one knows. It's only a bad thought. We try not to have it, but we certainly aren't going to share it. But you know what? If we've not made things right with God on it, and if we've not made things right with people that may be affected by it. You know, I've had people say, we well, don't have to go make things right with people. If only you had was a thought, and I agree with that, You just thought something bad about someone, then no. A thought, but if you express something bad about someone, then yeah, you need to go to that someone. I mean, if I robbed a bank and killed three people, then I said, hey, God forgave me. I don't have to tell anybody. I'm saved. You have no idea of repentance and faith. But you see, you can be saved but not making things right can cost you loss of reward because the water that comes up through the root of salvation in your heart by the Spirit of God using the water of the Word cannot separate you to make you holy. But the first thing, the first thing is that you're saved. Do you know, are you 100% sure If you died today that Heaven's your home. See the next time in this passage I want us to look at Revelation 22. Because in Heaven the tree of life will be fed by a pure river of water flowing from the throne of God. What a picture of Psalms chapter 1 verse 3 that will be. But for right now, understanding that the water stands for the word of God doesn't mean anything if you're not saved. If you don't know if you died today, that heaven's your home. My friend, I don't care how good you seem to be to us or anyone else. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Without Christ, hell is your destiny. But if you receive him, that destiny can change. Instantaneously. So that when you die, you're going to be with the Lord. You know if you die today that heaven's your home. What in this world is more important than not making sure today? Wouldn't it be the most ignorant thing in the world to say, I'm not sure I'm saved and then leave here thinking, okay, well, I, I've been all right this far. I'll be all right further. You go down the road and somebody runs a traffic light and hits you head on, and kills you. That very second you die, it's eternally too late. Can you guarantee that won't happen? No, you can't. Neither can I. Are you sure if you died today that heaven's your home? Let's bow our heads, please.